Hi, it's Nikki Christensen, and have I got a treat for you today. The name Matthew Landers will not be a surprising name to anybody in the flower industry, definitely in Australia and possibly the whole world, because Matthew Landers is a global brand. He is a floral designer, he is a resident of Perth in Western Australia, and he comes from gold bloodlines with both his mother and his great aunt being ex-directors of Interflora Australia. In this episode, Matthew shares with us how he has gone about building his global empire and the secret to his success is something that may just surprise but delight every business owner. I had the benefit of sitting down with Matthew when he came to Brisbane in March to do a floral demonstration for my core business, Christensen Flower Auction. So here is the first part of the series with Matthew Landers on how to build an empire and what the secret to success is. The following audio recording is intended for business people. It contains mature concepts and adult themes and language. It is not recommended for children. Hi there. Are you already successful in business? Past the startup and into phase two? Already have regular clients and not worried about revenues? Maybe other things worry you. Like what's the medium to long-term future? Which is the shortest way forward that translates to money? Or do you wish you had help with business strategy, innovation, or future-proofing? If you're interested in spending some time with a business person who has executed and implemented almost all of the things you're about to hear, resulting in annual company revenue of $7.2 million a year, then you can relax your mind. Your ears are on the right Business Bits podcast. Get comfortable and please create an environment for success for yourself and turn off any distractions. Welcome to the Business Bits podcast by Nikki Christensen. All right, I'm here with Matthew Landers. Matthew, welcome. Thank you, Nikki. Sorry, sorry to welcome you while you're taking a drink yeah, of water. Yeah, I was taking That's, a drink of water. Yeah, bad, bad management by making a start. Right. There's a lot of people that are very interested in the Matthew Landers story at the moment. Mm-hmm. At the moment. Makes you sound just, like just for now, yeah. yeah until you're, someone younger and prettier comes along. You're a six-year overnight instant yeah. sensation, aren't you? Yeah. Well, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I was uh, reading up on your bio to try and get a backstory of you and a sense of you because mm-hmm. I came across you. I knew when you were in Inaflora, I saw some things there and you won some awards with yeah. them. Yeah. But then you've sort of come back in the mainframe of in the flower world just mm. about June last year is when I sort of recognized or noticed yeah, you again. I kind of, um, my life was, my entire life was revolved around flowers from birth. And when I was growing up, I was obviously in my mother's shadow. Um, Your mum's a florist? My mum's a very good florist and she was the director of Interflora for She has the years. best name, Linda Landers. Linda Landers. <laughs> Rolls off the tongue. It's a superhero yeah, name. It is. <laughs> she is. And it's, um, so I was constantly around it my entire life. My entire family, you know, third generation florist. My great aunt was the president of Interflora Australia, oh, wow. you know, before as well. So there was, a, there was a huge history within flowers and within that organisation. So naturally, as I progressed as a teenager and, you know, uh, started entering into competitions and things like that, it was a natural kind of progression. Then when I was um, 14, I kind of said, my mother had actually just sold her business because she didn't think that I was interested and, you know, didn't want to take it on as such or inherit the business. How old were you then? 14. And... I kind of said to her, I was like, oh, well, actually, you know, I'm, I just entered a local regional competition for Mother's Day when I was 14 and I'd won. And I was like, well, this is kind of... At 14? At 14, yeah, yeah, in the wow. junior section. So it was like under 25s. And admittedly, I was a bit shocked because I thought, oh, this is, this is cool. You know, I didn't realise quite how much I had learned just from being around it as such. And then I 
being born in December, naturally I was always the youngest person in my class at school and I really hated school with a passion. So I desperately wanted to leave at the end of year 10, which would have meant I'd just turned 15. And mum said to me, the only way that I'm going to allow you to leave school at 15 is if you have a job to go to and you're training in something and you're doing something. And I said, fine, easy done. I'll do floristry. I'll go and I'll do my Cert 3 and blah, blah, and, you know, all of that. So she said, that's good. She said, but um, it's really important that... Because I thought, oh, you know, she'll... She just sold her, her business of 20 years and I thought, oh, well, she'll just buy another one, you know, and I'll be able to work for her and I'll be able to take it over and all this. And she said, no, you need to go and work somewhere else. You need to get a feeling for working outside of a family business so that you have respect for Smart. everything about the business, things like that. Smart. Best thing I ever did, yeah. yeah. So when I was 15, I turned 15 in the December. Actually, when I was 14, I, I called a florist shop in Perth City and Do you remember the name of the floor shop? It was, uh, at the time, it was called Flowers at Carillion. Because okay. Carillion City was like the Maya Centre in Brisbane. Like, okay. it was the big shopping centre. And it was it was a shop that was, like, beautiful, really beautiful, ahead of its time. And I was I actually called them, and I spoke to the owner, and I said, I'm coming to work for you. And they said, <laughs> yeah, I did. Really? So I was really I'm coming. Balls. I did. Make, I was make really away. ballsy. I was like, I'm oh. coming to work for you. And they kind of said, what do you mean? I said, oh, look, I um, I think I'd be a really good um, asset to your business. I'm young and I've got fire in the belly and I want to do this and I want to leave school. <clears throat> so I want a traineeship. And I did start working for them when I was 14 and I went and I worked in there on like Friday nights, scrubbing buckets, getting prepped for the weekend. And I went in there on a Sunday doing like corporate prep and things like that. So that was that was really cool as a young person. Obviously I was very mature as a young um, person. I was also six foot two, so everyone thought I was well, years yeah, years older. Then, yeah, come, come the day I finished school, I finished school on the Friday. My birthday was on the Wednesday, so I turned 15 on the Wednesday, I finished school on the Friday, and then I started full time the Monday after. And I started my traineeship then. And I did, I completed my Cert 3 in a year. Uh, I got skills recognition for Cert 2. I did my Cert 3 in a year. So then by the time I was 16, I had Cert 3. And I'd worked for that business for a full year. Then I did Cert 4 the next year. So mm. And then I had Cert 4 by 17. And then, so I turned 17 in the December. And then in the January after that, mum said to me, okay, you've proven to me that you're serious. In that time also, I'd actually won several competitions uh, and represented... WA at the Interflora National Finals while I was 16. And then, um, yeah, mum said to me, okay, you've proven it to me that you want to do this and that you can be successful. And, you know, your maturity says to me that this is the right thing to do. So her and I went into business together. Like at, one month after I turned 17. At the age of 17? 17. 17, yeah. What What was your driver to go Cert 3, then Cert 4? Then what, because did you have I'm a very, hunger for it? Or no, I wouldn't say I had a hunger for it. Um, I'm very much, uh, let's get it all done and out of the way. That was that was my mentality at the time. I want to get it done and out of the way. That was that was kind of where I was. And it was difficult. Was I it was, like a tick of uh, it was, authenticity? It was like, or uh, like I've, I've learned that I I'm think, officially a florist. Yeah, now. and back then, you know, like we're talking, you know, uh, nearly well, it's over it's 15 years ago. It's over 15 years ago. Back then, it was like there was no tick of authenticity, truly, until you had a Cert 3, which is ridiculous. But, you know, that was how it was. So it was kind of that mentality of such, it's like, well, you need to go and do it. Best thing I ever did, you know, like it really did mould me as such with the skills that I already had at, from, you know, growing up in the business and things. And it did definitely develop me into the next 
stage that I wanted to be in. And then, yeah, I wasn't the favourite person at my employer of two years because naturally I left a month before Valentine's Day. Oh! Yeah. However, we still we still talk now, you know, like we still have a relationship. You were young, you I didn't realise. No, I did realise. I, I was acutely aware of it. And I said to them, this is what's going to happen. And I, in fact, um, <laughs> believe it or not, on that Valentine's Day, I, in fact, went back and worked for them on the night before Valentine's Day, oh, right through the night, yeah, doing orders. So you did I, the right thing. I did. I tried to do the right thing. And admittedly, Linda and I had just bought a, um, we'd bought an existing business that had existing staff and things like that. And I kind of thought, well, really, you know, this is actually just operating as it already is. So yeah. I can actually just go back and do that. And I did. So I felt like I did the right thing by then, which is good. And yeah, so then Linda and I had the, that business. We, in fact, bought a second shop about two years later. So when I was about 19, we bought a second shop and then we had those two businesses parallel to each other uh, up until I was, yeah, for five years. So up until I was about 22 or so. Tell me about the relationship with your mum. Was it a competition to just prove to her your talent and to prove what you could do? Or was it like Mm. a really symbiotic, you got each other's backs and you really worked in the same direction? Very much so. Like. Um, at the time, Linda was um, the director for Interflora, so she was away a lot. Um, so it gave you freedom. It gave me freedom. It also allowed me opportunities to make really serious mistakes. You know, like when I didn't have her there to guide me, and I was obviously had my own idea of what something looked like. And I think sometimes I think, oh, maybe I was just ahead of my time, and I just it wasn't the right time or the place to be trying ideas like that. But yeah, I made some really bad mistakes in terms of the business, you know, like uh, the operations and stuff like that. And I look back now and I go, okay, it's okay because I was literally 18 years old, you know, like... But mistakes are important. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't have what I have today if I hadn't made those mistakes in order to learn the hard way. And actually, my mother, every single mistake that I made, she warned me. She told me, this is not going to work. This is why and blah, blah, blah. And I just didn't want to listen. I was just too young and too headstrong. And I was like, no, I'm going to do this. And it, she was completely right. And I look back on that and I tell her, I'm just like, you were totally right. But she also identifies that I had to make it myself because I'm much more headstrong than she is. Mm. But we work so well together. You know, like we're best friends. You know, we have a, such a good relationship together, working together. And we only had maybe a crossword maybe once in five wow. years. Like, there was never, and it was it was my doing. Do you know what I mean? It was just me. Oh, being, it's always me being an idiot. So I work for my parents. Mm. Uh, I got sacked eleven times. Yeah, right. So the whole butting heads, especially with my dad. That's I think hard. it's the boy thing, like yeah. butting heads. But so if you get that symbiotic relationship, Ooh. that's really. Good. I mean, still had that with my dad, but it wasn't until I was much older till I could look back with some maturity to go. Mm, actually, the old, the old boy knows what he's talking yeah, about. Yeah, exactly. But the cognitive development actually firms in at 25, doesn't it? So mm. it's like you're allowed to be a dickhead from you know 12 to 25 and then you get a sense of why am I voting the way I vote? Uh-huh. Why do I like the things that I like? Yeah. So do you think of your life in compartments? Like do you think of it as, okay, when you emerge like, from 14 to... very much. Do you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what what would you say, let's finish up, what would you say to say someone who's 14 even or up to 18 who likes floristry, likes the idea of floristry, maybe even loves floristry mm-hmm. and goes, at the moment there's a lot of negative talk about floristry. It's not a real career. Why don't you go and be an accountant? Like, there's no value put on mm. floristry career. Would you agree with that? By the broadest? Somewhat, yes, yeah, yeah. definitely. What would you say to a person that goes, you know, I love floristry. I reckon I could give this a good hot go. I, I do agree. And I think that there there's two elements to floristry. There's individual public profile development so you need to develop yourself as a florist or a floral designer. You need to 
lift your profile so that you are sought after to work in a business. Not a bunch seller. Exactly. Or you need to um, identify a brand and build a brand because you can be um, you can be a pretty shit florist, but you can develop a really good brand. You know, like you can you can sell and market a really good brand. But I think um, developing yourself as a public figure, you know, as a florist that is sought after, so that you can go and you can w- approach a florist and be like, "Hi, I'm this. I've done this. I've done this, and I want to do this." And then an employer is going to look at you and go, this is the perfect, you know, cultural fit for my business. It's somebody that's passionate about the industry and floristry. They're a good florist. They're skilled. They're fast. All of these things that we, the boxes that we need to tick as employers. So I think the earlier you can identify that you want to be a florist, the more chance you actually have of long-term success because the more chance you've got at um, training and because it really is an industry that you must train and a hands-on experience is the key to that success because you can't just read a textbook and understand what this industry is truly about it's very very different to what it's what it is in print and you really have to get a sense and I learned the hard way you know I as a as a 12 year old boy I had to scrub buckets you know every every weekend uh, you know on all day Saturday I would scrub buckets I would wrap single flowers and I would wrap bunches and things like that in my mum's shop so I have done all of that, you know, that, and even now, you know, at this level, you know, I still do it because it's what needs doing. It's part of the job. You have to, you have to embrace every single element of what this job really is. I had, I had a different part. I went to study hotel management when I was 18 on the Gold Coast and I had an awesome general manager who, he was the top man, but he showed me through good leadership, like you're saying, uh, he came down and actually checked people in the front counter. He actually cleaned rooms. Mm-hmm. And I asked him, I said, what do you, why do you do that? And he goes, because I want to know every part of my business and I want to understand exactly how it's going. Mm-hmm. It sounds to me the same thing. You are actually genuinely interested in the entire of your business. You're yeah, not just absolutely. up the top no with way. the brand building and the, no, you no, actually no. seriously care about still... How, how can you know what your business is doing if you haven't experienced and constantly experienced every element of it? You, you wouldn't have any understanding and I think there's too many people out there that do just sit at the top and look down and they don't have any true grasp of what's going on in not only the industry but their own business as such you have to work really really hard and I even now constantly I'm still working six or seven days a week it is you know when you're passionate about your own business you you work it you have to work it mm. you still enjoying it I love it you look like it. you love it. Yeah, I do. I love it. I love... Um, the biggest thing for me is I love seeing the success that I've created with the most amazing team. You know, it's not just me. Well, obviously, it's me driving the car as such, but I've got passengers. I've got passengers that are telling me, no, I don't think we should go down this direction. I think we should turn off here. Or I think we should stop at McDonald's and get food. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I've, got, I've got people with me, you know, telling me, where to go and how to drive the car so and you listen to them of course i listen to them because the the thing is is i can only be in so many places at one time so often if i miss something or if i don't see something that's happened within my business it's those people that are telling me so i need to listen i also need to feel that they're valued and loved within my business otherwise they're just going to go somewhere else they're going to find happiness somewhere else it's like a 
it's like a relationship. You break up, you cry, you move on. You know, and it's the same. I think with good employers and employees, as you must harness that relationship. Uh, a marriage is hard work. You know, it's compromise on both sides, and it's an ongoing building exercise. It's exactly the same with my team. Like we're constantly working at building our relationship together, which of course then improves the shop, the business, the brand, the profit, and all of that. Good leader does listen to his team. You have to. Yeah. Yeah. I think the reason why I ask that is I think it could be very easy for people to misunderstand or mistake who Matthew Landers is if you just looked at your Instagram mm. and went, oh, he's up living the top life with the luxury brands and, mm-hmm. and that would be grossly unfair. Mm. And that's that's why I asked that question. It, it's funny because it's um, something that I did. So last fiscal year, 2017, the shop recorded a huge profit and it was a huge growth on the year before Congratulations. so the first thing i wanted to do was reward my team you know the 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 if when i look at the profit as such as a whole as a whole amount i go right well this amount needs to be reinvested into the brand this amount needs to buy me an ms handbag <laughs> this amount needs to be reinvested into my team because without reinvesting into my team i can't then take it to another growth this year so I took my core team to Europe for a week. We flew business class, we stayed in five-star hotels, we, all of this life that they see me having, I engaged them into that life. Even if it was only for a small time, yeah. I had to make them feel worthy of it and I had to make them feel that they earned it because they most definitely earned it. You know, like there was, I wouldn't have had the business success without them on board so yeah it was it was it was so lovely and and great relationship building as well you know to go and spend you know nine days with my core team and to have an to to show them an amazing experience because they see me travel the world constantly and they you know they see what i'm doing and they love it and they love being a part of it but it's so important for me to make them also a part of it because my world is also their world. So I had to make sure that they they feel part of it. And you know, I'm talking about girls that had never, one had never been overseas before. Uh, business class was like a, a foreign, you know, subject. Sure. So it was just so important to reinvest in your team. And it's, um, I, I constantly hear people say good employers are hard to, uh, sorry, good employees are hard to find. Uh, good employers are hard to find. Mm. that I, I find good employers are actually harder to find than good employees. So you have to set yourself above the rest and make sure that you are the brand of choice or the employer of choice. And pe- like last time I um, put a call out for job positions, we had over 300 applications in 24 hours. Like wow. crazy, you know, and the amount of people, and my employees are inc- incredibly aware of that as well, that, you know, it, the, it's important for people to understand as well that you are not indispensable you can be replaced and you are replaceable so it's important for employees to remember that in order for me not to just look at you and go I'm just going to replace you with someone else mm-hmm. what are your what are you bringing to, to what, my what family my, yeah. the, my, I call my brand my family it's like we're a family it's like what do you bring to the family what every family has you know a crazy auntie or a sister that's you know people don't really talk to or something you know, we, we think of it like a family so we have to treat the business as as such as well wow. mm. 
Well, you spend more time with your colleagues than you do with your Constant. blood family, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. So it yeah. is a true family. Truly, yeah, yeah. But that's a lot of hard work to build a team that's like a family mm. because it's a lot easier to be an asshole and a dictator. Mm. So, but you obviously see the value in that by rewarding and building and... But, you'll, but yeah. you'll see that reward carry on, right? Mm. I wouldn't have had the growth I've had if I hadn't have had the amazing team. And also, the um, by having a sort of a family feel, we none of us feel like we can't approach each other you know we're all I don't you know I, I find it difficult to label people you know like in terms of store manager and office manager and things like that I, I kind of like to just treat everybody as equal because and I like everyone to feel equals because then there's no hierarchy and they they also know that there's only the buck stops at me there's no one else to answer to and they they, they work more harmoniously together because they're not constantly feeling like oh something this person's in charge and this person's not doing this and you know they're all equal they all so we all work together as a very much as a family that's lovely mm. hard to achieve mm. like it's bloody hard work it's I, hard work right I've had staff in the past in the past few years that have worked for me that have really put my synergy out of place uh, I even got into such a place where I didn't want to go to work because I had one staff member that really affected me and her being there affected me wanting to be there and I thought this is a real problem I can't allow this to happen so I think a lot of people have been in that position right they as business go. owners the, they're the, terrified to go to work to go. The, yeah, the, the, being held ransom by the road staff member I've been that person and it's just you can't allow that energy to affect you because it's just going to affect every aspect of your professional life and personal life and my staff a lot like a lot of my staff didn't have good skills when they came to me but they were the right person so it was it, for me a lot of the time it was about finding the right people and developing the skills rather than my, my search when I'm looking to recruit people is not necessarily skills based it's it's culturally based on are they a good fit culturally for my business and for the team are they going to be able to enter into the team seamlessly and be part of the family yeah mm. you can't teach attitude mm -mm, right? mm -mm, not at all and also when you're working for somebody that has a name brand business you have to um empower them to imagine that it's their own name that they're putting on it would you put your own name on what you've just created or what you've just sent out the door if you wouldn't what's wrong if you look at something and think, oh, what would Matthew say? And then they go, oh, I don't think, I think he would have said this. Well, then do that, change that, pull that out, change this for this. If the, if the doubt or element of doubt is in your mind and you think you know what I'm going to say, then do it. So, yeah, I'm 100% happy with mistakes and, you know, um, having to challenge the girls on why they've made decisions. And, and likewise, you know, like when I'm introducing new things into the business, I welcome them to always challenge me and be like, why are you introducing this into the business or why are we changing this procedure? And I'll tell them and I'll take on their feedback and, you know, it, it has to work for everybody. You can't just dictate no. what the brand is going to do. And that concludes part one of the Matthew Landers Business Bits podcast. And I think it's the perfect place to pause because you really need to focus in on the core messages of what Matthew said. How interesting was his evolution as a floral child, but also his firm focus on building himself into a global brand. Matthew talks more about his global brand building in the next episode of the Business Bits podcast. 
in the second episode. The really great part about what Matthew raised there was also the thing that most business owners seem to struggle with the most, and that is building a team that is aligned, engaged, and feels like what they do matters. Definitely food for thought, and definitely something that you can start working on today in your business. Remember, you want to build a global brand, you're going to need a team to help you do just that. That was another session with Nikki Christensen and the Business Bits podcast. In case you were wondering, it's called Business Bits by Nikki Christensen because it's business served up in bits. Take away what you want and leave behind the bits you don't. The key is implement what you've learned straight away. If you want more, go to NikkiChristensen.com. It's also where you can get your limited edition Nikki Christensen wristbands. So until next time, remember what Nikki always says, version one is better than version none.